0: Welcome to the Fod Eater Fod Path.
1: <laughs> hey, everybody. It's Froth here, Thought Eater Podcast, Thought Eater Blog. Thank you very much for listening. Happy Hump Day. Happy Wednesday. So, one thing that's cool, um you know, I'll always, if I ever forget, forgive me, but I always try to say, you know, thank you people listening, uh, cause I really appreciate it. I know you have lots of entertainment choices and not just entertainment, lots of other things to be doing. And, you know, to take a little time out to listen to old froth warms my heart, makes me feel good, quite frankly. So I appreciate, uh, people checking it out. And one thing that was cool is, uh, you know, I, I, the podcast gets sent out to a bunch of different platforms from anchor anchors, what I record on and my, kind of my main hub. I love anchor. It's one of the reasons I don't mind advertising for it, you know, and uh, what's cool is it's got these analytics on the, uh, anchor site when you're, when you podcast on here. And so you can kind of see some information about, um, you know, how many times your, your, um, podcasts are listened to and how it compares to different weeks and, and stuff like that. And one of the things I really like is the geographic location. Uh, it shows where the listeners are coming from now, granted, all of y'all could be using VPNs or something, but I doubt that's the case. But so what's surprising to me is only 68% of my listeners are from the U S you know? And so there's a, you know, there's a good portion in the UK and, and Canada, but I also have some listeners that have tuned in from Japan, Australia, Hungary, Spain, Israel, Mexico, Germany, France, Netherlands, Sweden, Malaysia, Norway, Hong Kong, Italy, Switzerland, Brazil, India, Russia, Ireland, Singapore, New Zealand, Turkey, Korea, Kuwait, Slovakia, the Philippines, Poland, Greece, Taiwan, Vietnam, Chechia, Denmark, and even someone checked it out from El Salvador. And, uh you know, I just think it's cool that, you know, wherever you're listening to this, um, you know, it's cool that we're united by, I assume we're united by a common interest in RPGs. And, um, I just thought it was cool that, you know, here I am in Athens, Georgia, sitting in my, uh, kind of living room area and, um, and that it's reaching people, you know, all over the the world and in different places and that we're, kind of connected by our love for RPGs, so I just thought that was neat and wanted to say wherever you're listening to this from, uh, welcome to the show, glad to have you, thank you for listening, and so the uh, Wednesday show is Hump Day Blogorama, if you're, if it's your first time listening, the basic idea is that I, I, you know, I'm I'm a enthusiast for blogs, you know, I love RPG blogs, the um, individuality that goes into it you know, your blog is your voice, you know, it's one thing to be on a forum or different social media or whatever, but a blog is yours. And, and there's a lot of originality and that individual spirit that, uh, that I love about, um, the RPG hobby that comes, comes out of the, uh, of someone's personal blog. And so I follow along with hundreds of blogs each week, um, trying to uncover new blogs. As a matter of fact, I just Thought I'd just do a quick mention. Just caught a couple over at the OSR Discord, a couple of folks saying it's their first post. One is at uh, savemycampaign.wordpress.com, new blog, and then another one at uh, vaults and van Gogh's, They both just posted their first post, so welcome to the blogosphere, y'all. Um, anyway, I'm following along, I'm adding new blogs to the blog roll and and I, I look for things that you know uh might be good to discuss a little bit further or at least highlight and point out to, to listeners to check out. And then I take the links that I talk about, I put them over on the Thought Eater blog so they're all in one place, easy to get to, and that's at Frothsoft, Froth dot Terrible URL, I know it. Um the I listened to somebody mentioned me the other day and they were struggling with the froth off and it's, it's terrible. Don't get me wrong. It's terrible. I know it is. It, it is what it is at this point. The, the SOF stands for the side of fries, but that's a long story. We're not going to get into that right now. So it's froth, SOF, and D dot com. Easiest way is to just Google thought eater podcast. So, or thought eater blog rather. Anyway, I'm in a good mood. We'll see how long it lasts, you know, cause this, uh, it's a struggle sometimes getting through these, but I know I've got good content, lots of good stuff for y'all today. We're going to start off with a few, um, calls. I had some call-ins about, uh, kind of the end topic from last week, um, which was talking about game balance. And then I had a couple call-ins talking about the dark tower game that makes me even more jealous and, you know, uh, about missing out on that. So we'll listen to these and I'll get right back to y'all.
2: I enjoyed that song at the end. That was a lot of fun. Hey, Froth, it's Whisk. And you know what? I am constantly amazed at how many people argue about how to play a game. I mean, it's a game. It's a game. Ah, oh, so stupid.
0: Hi, Froth. Goblin Sentiment here. Just wanted to quickly comment on the most recent hump day. Excellent episode, as per usual. We'll definitely follow up on some of those links. Um. also just want to quickly comment on the opinion piece about balanced encounters. Um, completely agree with you, uh, same side of the fence, basically balanced encounters aren't necessary. In fact, I hadn't realised how big the schism in gaming was until I released a PDF about using an Rubik's cube to generate character stats and essentially the smooth peanut butter brigade fair lost their minds about it they were sort of like what is this non-point by business you speak of and you could get a character with a highest score as the 12 that's an unplayable character and what is this bizarre order you've listed your stats in anyway it kind of just underscored to me about sort of the differences between if you like the old school and the sort of more modern traditions but you know that's where we are and there's no reason why people can't swap from smooth to crunchy at some point Cheers, Philip. Bye.
1: So we heard from the the Happy Whisk and uh, Goblin's henchman there, and um, what Whisk was referring to is basically, you know, I was just talking about how we can agree to disagree, at least on games, you know, without you know turning it into some kind of knockdown, dragout, you know, uh, blood, you know, fight to the death. You know what I mean? <laughs> So, uh, I think that's what she was referencing. Um, and I agree. Um, uh, but you know, at the same time I've been guilty of it before, especially years back. Um, uh, I haven't always been the most well-behaved person on the internet. I haven't always been the mo- the, the enlightened figure that you hear coming through your, uh, speakers right now. Um, so, I can't. I, I think I'm. I, I try to be forgiving of people's shortcomings too, because we're all working to get better, and um, sometimes you have to make mistakes, you know, even big mistakes, to to learn from it. So I'm sympathetic because I, I've uh, I've been a jerk to people before. I mean, I, I, I try to get better, but I know that I've, I know that I've been a a jerk in arguments many, many times. So anyway, confessional with froth, but, um, and yeah, and henchman, uh, uh, I, I, I believe I saw your article, uh, that you did with the Rubik's cube, um, character creation. And that, that's amazing. It, it just shows the different perspectives when someone thinks the twelve's bad, you know, <laughs> it could be a lot worse, right? Uh, but anyway, I appreciate you both calling in. Thank you very much. We've got a couple of calls now on Dark Tower. Mr. Froth, nice to see you going strong with your hump day
0: blogorama. Excellent. And Dark Tower. Man, you missed out there, bro. You missed out big style. I, <laughs> I never had it, but my cousins, we would go around their house just to play Dark Tower. Ah, oh, man dark tower such a warm fuzzy feeling fills my heart and soul at the mere mention of it the tower cranking round and the sound effects and the lights we'd never seen anything like it as kids and it, it just blew me away blew me away man cheers for bringing back those fond memories and good job sir catch you later
2: Froth, you sickly platypus, you threw a psycho grenade at me with Dark Tower. I loved that game as a kid. You had all these crazy sound effects for different things, the creaking door that you had when you opened the tomb or the ruin and the
0: boop, boop boop boo
2: horns from the brigands, which are kinda of like orcs that you fought. And the sound effects for you winning each round were like a horn and losing was kind of like the boop, boop, and then uh, buying stuff at the bazaar, keeping track of resources on a pegboard for like food and warriors and your beast of burden and stuff, and finding the keys to get into the dark tower. And the other players would be having these sound effects as you played, so even though you couldn't see exactly what was going on for them, you kind of knew by hearing it. It was a great game. Thanks. Bye.
1: God. I was hoping against hope that it wasn't that cool, but I knew in my heart, I knew in my heart that I'd missed out completely on it. God, so jealous. Ah, I would've eaten that up. But I'm glad that it brought back good memories to y'all. Um, yeah, I'm not bitter. All right, so let's get into the maps. I, I like to start off with maps. Um, because uh, without the maps and the RPGs, you don't know where you're going. You don't know where you know. You can't see where you've been. And I've trademarked that, so you got to attribute that to me when you use it. No, but seriously, some awesome maps this week. One I wanted to point out is over at Ninth Key Press. It's you don't spell out nine. It's just the number nine. So ninthkeypress.com. Patrick McGill over here. It's got some skills. Um, doing some awesome maps. I put up one, the Circle Caverns, and one cool thing is I put up a link um, to the Ninth Key Press Patreon. And another co- uh, cool thing is that a lot of these maps are free to use under a Creative Commons license, as well as some some images too. So you head over there to the Ninth Key Press site and check these maps out, which are awesome and. And then you maybe use some of these in your zines or something like that. Um, uh, help support um, Patrick over there. Or back the Patreon. Check it out. I love this map. And uh, all this stuff is awesome. In fact, I'm, I'm looking at some of the images and it's giving me a little adventure ideas and stuff. So thanks for that, Patrick. Appreciate it. And uh, let's see. You know, I, I could probably just put dice and logos up every week. But, I, I you know, I want to spread the love around and try to find new cartographers and everything. But this one was so cool. Um, you know, I, you know, Dyson's got some style. So I, I had to put this one up. It's a series that Dyson started the bottomless tombs. And it's like this, this shaft that runs down the middle of these isometric maps. So it's kind of like this endless, you know, like a, almost like a, how however you want to think of it, endless pit or endless tunnel. And, um, spreading off to the sides of the shaft are different little dungeons. And this would be such a cool delve because they'd have to, you know, your players would have to repel or, um, you know, a thief maybe climb down or figure out some ways down and, you know, go from side dungeon to side dungeon, always with the threat of uh, falling down this endless shaft and everything. And I love it when uh, Dyson's not afraid to experiment with different styles and do some isometric stuff from time to time so I put up the, the probably more series more than this series I'm sure but I put up the first two links that I had spotted of that bottomless tomb series as well as a link to Dyson's patreon and one thing um, that I noticed recently Dyson was adding some some value to the patreon with um, some little zines and stuff if you're a backer and things like that so um, you might want to go over and check that out if you haven't um, if you haven't already something i saw getting shared on a lot of social media um and probably multiple blogs but i just posted it from geeknative geeknative.com oh and i should mention dysonlogos.blog is dyson's uh blog uh but over at geeknative.com and i you know I saw this a bunch of places but it's kind of a clickbaity title 1 million square feet of original rpg battle maps free to use you know It sounds like, I mean, it's a bunch of awesome maps, don't get me wrong, but, you know, trying to think of 1 million square feet, huh, what does that look like, you know, well, it looks like uh, the image that I put up, I put up an image of how they all fit together, so it's, um, it's what, 16 different maps, 4 times 4, yeah, (laughs) anyway, it's, it's 16 different interconnected maps, and they're all really cool, full color, um that you can download from uh, this person's Deviant Art site. And they are uh Zatnikotal. Um and I believe they go under the name uh yeah, Zat Battle Maps. So uh really cool and they've got gridded and ungridded versions. So if you you like using them online and stuff like that, certainly would be killer on uh roll twenty or somewhere else. So um thank you um uh Zat Nakodal. For, for sharing those. And uh, thank you, Geek Native, for, um, for mentioning them. So, if y'all are into some battle maps, uh, some killer ones there, go and download them, grab them. Um, kind of like a pre built mega dungeon, all ready for you. I mean, you game forever with these maps. And then finally, on the map front, I thought this was awesome because <laughs> it's a real life map. Uh, the Gen Con 2019 Exhibit Hall map was announced. And you look at this thing, and it's like, oh, look, wow, it's like amazing in and of itself. You know, you get lost, you could have an adventure in the Gen Con exhibit hall. So I just thought this was something cool to put up. Uh, it says that it's a record-breaking 530-plus exhibitors. Bring your deodorant, guys. <laughs> so, uh, and this is just the exhibit hall. So, goodness gracious, the logistics of Gen Con have got to be outrageous. I don't even know how the load in or any of that parking. I mean, it's unbelievable. You go over and check out the thought of your blog though, and check out this, uh, Gen Con exhibit hall, um, map. It's cool. And, uh, this was from over at Indy, I N D Y like, uh, Indianapolis, IndyGaming.com. All right. So let's get into some, uh, some reviews. Um, with these, I, I don't talk too much about them. I really, you know, it's, it's best if you just go and, and read them. But I I've thought I'd point them out because there's a, there's always cool stuff happening each week. And <clears throat> there's a lot of cool-looking games on the horizon or just released. So um, let's get into this. Over at TrollishDelver.com, this is Scott Malthouse's blog. I've mentioned Scott's work before. It does a lot of stuff with Tunnels and Trolls. And it's kind of doing an overview about Against the Dark Master and if you haven't heard of this, this is a game that's basically like a, a merp or Middle Earth role-playing, maybe not clone, but slight reimagining. Uh, Scott calls it a streamlined, modified merp. And, uh, it was interesting. I just heard a, I never played Middle Earth role-playing. Um, I probably would have, but I just never got a chance to, um, but I heard, um uh, those guys over at the Dice for Screaming do a, a podcast recently all about Merp. You know, they ran at least one big campaign of it. And I've downloaded this against the Dark Master stuff. They're they're kind of hyping things up slowly. They've got a quick start out, and I guess they're going to do a Kickstarter for that. So, if you're into uh, Merp or, uh, or just into um, Lord of the Rings kind of stuff um, in general, looks like it's um, pretty cool. Uh, the quick start's pretty awesome, and so... Um, if that was a game that you played in the past and you don't like playing the, uh, paying exorbitant prices trying to track that down, this could be something that you might be into. So uh, against the dark master looks pretty cool. So go over to trollishdelver.com and, and check it out. Um, silent Titans. It's getting a lot of talk. Patrick Stewart's, um, uh, uh, new, uh, into the odd adventure and, um, I mentioned it a couple times, and now there's kind of a a more in-depth review over at technicalgrimoire.com. It's got a bunch of pictures. The artwork is just, ooh, artwork is unbelievable in this. And it's got uh, some more detail about it. So if you're on the fence about it or just trying to figure out what it is, um, it's got some some more detail over that. So you can go over to technicalgrimoire.com and read that post. uh, What is it called? silent titans actually works so uh, i've mentioned before uh um there's a what is it called rpgnews.com oh my gosh i'm unprepared today yeah rpgnews.com this is like through N world morris at n world had started this and it, it's a kind of aggregator of a bunch of different articles and stuff from various sources and uh it's got an rss feed if you want to add it to your blog roll <coughs> excuse me and anyway, it pointed me to a post over on N-World. This isn't actually at a blog. It's over. It's a post at N-World, but I thought I'd mention it because it's talking about the new 6th edition uh, Shadowrun Beginner Box and actually has a video of an unboxing of it and a, a, a in-depth review of it. So I'm almost glad I didn't buy into any 5th edition Shadowrun <laughs> because... Uh, if I had I'd be like, oh man, sixth edition's coming out. So this with this coming out, if you're uh if you haven't played Shadowrun like myself or played it years ago and are looking for a good starting point to get back into it, it looks like this uh this new beginner box for the sixth edition might be a way to go. If you want to see the unboxing of that and more information, you uh follow this link over to Nworld. another game that caught my eye, it's called Metatoy. And this is described as a traditional tabletop role-playing game, using old-school RPGs as its basis, but with influence from modern games such as Black Hack, Solar Blades, Cosmic Spells, and Dungeon Questing. Metatoy isn't exactly OSR, but it does have the old-school spirit. And so, this is done in like a kind of a zine format. But it's a PDF on DriveThru, but Su uh, did a um, a review of it. Um, over at um Zdex tumblr that I put up a link to, and then there's also a an s r d for metatoy so I guess this is a way um that you'll be able to 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 maybe use it to make other metatoy stuff is what i you know what i'm guessing they put it put it out for but uh, the s r d is free and then you can download the actual game uh let's see how much it's three fifty over drive through so if you're looking for a new o s r Whatever you want to call it, OSR adjacent or OSR inspired game in kind of a zine format. The art on this looks awesome. And uh, this is done by Experimental Playground. And so it looks really cool. Uh, Robertson Sondo Jr. So good job. Um, uh, Looks really great, Robertson. And uh, I look forward to checking out MetaToy. Okay, what else did we have here? Okay, so this game, the, I don't know anything about it, but the artwork grabbed me. I was like, whoa, that looks really good. Uh, it's this game called Unity. And over at Stargazersworld.com, they put up a, the first, um, in what looks to be a series, Michael Wolf Stargazer, over at Stargazersworld.com, put up a a, a part one of a review of this game, Unity, that looks like it's... It's kind of got the elements you'd expect from fantasy games, like a class-based system. It says the rules have elements from 5e and Cypher system. And it's a class-based fantasy RPG where magic and technology coexist. Also has elements of a post-apocalyptic game, with the world slowly recuperating from a huge cataclysm. And the artwork is uh, fantastic. Uh, this one is put out by Zensara Studios and distributed by Modifius, so... Um, if you're wanting to um, take a look at this, it's got some art from it. It looks like it's going to be a multi-part, in-depth review of the game, so you'll know what you're getting. And, uh, man, I'm telling you, that cover grabs you. It's, it's really um, special. I put uh, the image up over on the Thought Eater blog, and check that out. Lastly, on uh, the whole reviews and retrospective um, front, I thought I would mention osrnews.blogspot.com. And this is, um, I don't know them personally, but they're also named Jeremy. And they've been doing this for a while, and I probably should have given them a shout-out before now. But um, um, they will uh, collect the different links for new OSR stuff that goes up on DriveThru. And so they'll... um, and sometimes do some reviews, um, of other stuff too, but it's mainly, um, mostly what I've noticed is they'll, um, put up the, you know, links. so it's an easy way instead of getting over to, going over to drive through and having to search through all the new releases and try to figure out, uh, what is this? Is this uh, what I'm interested in or, uh, that kind of thing, all the OSR stuff, um, they collect for you over here. So, uh, Jeremy, good job. Like I said, probably should have given you a shout out before now, but uh, they've been doing it for years. I think there was like a little gap at one point, but uh, I know for a while it was every week uh, I, was, I was looking to check this out. So over at osrnews.blogspot.com, if you'd like to keep up with the new OSR products coming out on drive through, you should definitely check that out. All right. So there were a couple of bloggers that put up, uh, links to videos, um, this week that a couple of videos that I thought were cool and would be in- of interest maybe to some listeners. One is over at LordGwidian.blogspot.com. The title of this blog is what a horrible night to have a curse, but the, uh, the URL is lordgwydion, lord G-W-Y-D-I-O-N, lordgwydion.blogspot.com. And, uh, this is Dennis Laffey's blog. And, um, Basically, they're talking about strength bows and the, kind of the comparing and con- contrasting um, actual medieval weapons with how um, fantasy treats them. And so there was a, a link to a YouTube video called What Fantasy Gets Wrong About Medieval Weapons. And it's just a 20-minute video, and uh, it was pretty interesting. We were talking about arguments earlier, and sometimes people get in these arguments about uh realism and fantasy and accuracy of, uh, historical weapons and armor, all this. And personally for me, like, I don't really care what hit points stand for or any of that. I, I, I don't mind it, but if you like a little bit more realism in it, or just, I still found it interesting, I guess is what I'm saying. Uh, you can, um, check out this video on what fantasy gets wrong about medieval weapons. Then at, um, uh, Let's see, this is a site, a blog devote, devoted to the game Cult. It's called Razors Through Flesh. And the URL is is kind of crummy. It's got a bunch of numbers in it. Cult RPG So just go over to the thought of your blog to follow that. But the title of the blog is Razors Through Flesh. Anyway, um, you know, I've got the original first edition cult and uh like one source book for it and a gm screen and i mainly got it because i was kind of interested in the setting uh kind of this dark kind of twisted religious um sort of deal um kind of alter reality or the don't let me try to try to explain cult in five minutes i'm not gonna be able to do it so i'm not even gonna try but if you cult there's a, a recent new edition of cult that completely changes the mechanics. So it's more of a, like a storytelling system and I haven't read it, but the artwork looks incredible. And uh, they they put up a link to a, a group that streams on Twitch and that is Penny for a tail is the name of the group. And uh, they did a playthrough of an adventure for the new cult called Oakwood Heights. So it's uh, like a four hour streaming video playthrough. And a lot of times these streaming games are helpful um, to, to learn how to play a game, you know, to see it actually played. That was the case for me with a number of games, like um, trying to figure out the 2D20 system for Star Trek and stuff like that. It's helpful to, to watch people play sometimes to, to get, a, get a handle on mechanics. So if you're like me, we're interested in the new cults and want to watch a, a Twitch stream of a playthrough of one of the new adventures, you can go over there and check that out. All right, when we get back from the break, we're going to roll some dice. And now, a word from our sponsors. All right, so this is fast turning into my favorite segment on here, rolling on these random tables. For the first few weeks, I was just, like, you know, linking you all over to some random tables on blogs. But lately, I've been rolling on them, and it's a lot more fun for me, hopefully more fun for the listeners. And, and every week, bloggers put up tons of great random tables, especially these OSR blogs. So um, it's a joy because you don't know what you're going to get. You get a little random inspiration or get something strange. And there's a lot of bloggers that are really good at coming up with cool ideas. In fact, I had to cut a few out and I've still got five that we're going to roll on. So I'll get right to it. First over at Nerd Words, N-E-R-D, nerd, but words is spelled W-E-R-D-S, nerdwords.blogspot.com. This is Patrick Malaw's blog. I put up a great one called Quick and Dirty Potion Requirement. So the idea is, you know, the higher level spell your wizard or whatever is trying to in your game is trying to uh make a potion for, um, the more re- the more um components and requirements they need to make it, right? So low levels, they just need common ingredients that it describes as easy to come by not even worth mentioning, can be found in any market. But the higher level you get, you have some obscure requirements and some rare requirements. So rare ingredients, obscure ingredients. So first we're gonna roll in the component table and then add the result to the obscure or rare table. And this will tell us what we need. So first let's see what the base thing we need is, 2d20. All right so i need the i need the vertebrae of let's do an obscure one first here so one thing i'm going to need is the vertebrae of a nightingale tiny don't lose it then i'm going to need let's do another obscure and then we'll do a couple rares Then I'm gonna need the lymph nodes of of a raccoon. Well, that's gonna be some grizzly surgery. And then let's see, let's just, we'll just do one rare one. Then I'm gonna need the elbow of of a cockatrice oh man rich rich frazier from cockatrice nuggets if you're listening to this coming for your elbows <laughs> all right so that's just a random table you can come up with some weird potion requirements you can go check that out at nerdwords.blogspot.com let's see what we got next whoops excuse me uh library of atnam library of atnam and the url is atnam a t t n a m dot blogspot this is red kangaroo's blog sorry didn't have that quite prepared my bad all right um weirder diseases over at li- library of atnam red kangaroo atnam a t t n a m dot so it says pneumonia, syphilis, mummy rot, or the plague are nice and all, but maybe you want some stranger diseases for a change. And this one, I get to crack out my favorite, one of my favorite dice, the D30. All right. So let's look at some weirder diseases. Tired of the same old syphilis? Let's find something weird. The shivers. You are bluish in complexion, and so cold you are covered in rime. Unless constantly warmed up, you'll freeze to death and lose D6 dex and con per day you got the shivers. Let's do another one on here. Uh, Hecatonchiridus, Hecatonchiridus, Grow one new fully functional arm per month. <laughs> Becomes a real problem once you have so many arms you can barely move. Well, that's pretty good. I'm liking this these weird diseases. I'm going to do one more on here. The drips. Your nose drips the green slime. You are immune to its effects, but your equipment and allies, not so much. Oh, you got the drips. This is good stuff here over at uh, atnam.blogspot.com. Weirder diseases. Good stuff from Red Kangaroo over there. All right, I've mentioned uh, Tomas Kiz- Kizbali's uh, blog, Eldritch Fields, before. Lots of creativity over here. Great job, Tomas. Eldritchfields.blogspot.com d eight curses, so no big explanation here just d eight curses. Let's see what we get uh, tinnitus, but each time you get used to it, it changes in pitch or intensity leading to renewed confusion. Yeah, that's a crummy one. Let's see another one. cats actively hate you. they never attack directly but exhibit passive aggressive behavior and plot murder. <laughs> Damn, that sounds like my cat, and I don't even have a curse. Nah, my cat's sweet. She's just a little, a little crazy. All right, over to Kill It With Fire RPG This is Claytonian JP's blog. Claytonian's always come up with something cool. So let's look here. It's D12 gaze attacks that aren't stoning. Talks about gaze attacks. We rarely see them for anything but making people into stone. So, here are 12 more ideas to make your PCs regret not carrying mirrors on sticks into the dungeon. All right, let's see here what we get. Different gaze attack. Glamour glare makes you charmed by the monster So long as you can see it What's more, the power rubs off on you and mutates Should you survive the monster You will have the same power for a few weeks This is great at first, but doesn't take long Before the charm gives way to stalking, obsession And cannibalism by your admirers Oof Let's do one more on here Another weird gaze effect Or gaze effect that is not stoning Binding reflection You turn into a large mirror In the mirror your reflection can be seen mutely banging on the glass, asking to be let out. Breaking the mirror breaks your soul or otherwise dooms you. On the other hand, shards of that mirror are pretty helpful in a dungeon with monsters that have gaze attacks. (laughs) Alright. I'll do one more. Uh, Rat Ogle. Rat Ogle turns you into three rats. They have animal intelligence and must all be together in a sack before magic has any hope of restoring you. Their instinct is to run away. (laughs) That's cool. So, your your uh your party has got to chase down these three rats to get you back together. So some interesting stuff there. Definitely inventive. Go over to killitwithfire.rpg.blogspot.com and look at those d12 gaze attacks that aren't stoning. And then finally, I mentioned K Trade just last week. Uh, did the these village folk are um, table with a PDF and. K Tray followed it up this week with these silly dwell- city dwellers are a D one hundred table, so uh, it was great stuff last week. Let's take a look and see what we get this week. These this is just random stuff, just just uh, you know, um, random flavor for what city dwellers are doing. If you you know, as you the party enters a city or whatever, so the city dwellers are rumored to all be accomplished cut purses. So you're coming into a rough town rough city these city dwellers are uh sifting through the burnt out shell of a shop so you can see there's been a fire some kind of weird thing that could be a good story hook and these city dwellers are covered in harmless but quite repulsive lesions ew nasty k-tray Anyway, this is another one, uh, like last week, that's got a PDF you can actually download. Actually, I don't think I've downloaded it yet. Take care of that. Click. Follow you away in my endless collection of random tables. All right, so, yeah. So, that's what I had for you this week. Obviously, you know, sometimes you'll get something that's really great. Sometimes it's not so great. You just roll again. But uh, I would like to thank all the different bloggers that put up cool stuff this week Um you better keep it up all right so, <clears throat> so i put these under the title of uh rise of the machines and you know there's so much like ai it's artificial intelligence stuff in the news and so many weird things like uh i forget what they call it but you'll see these weird videos where the, the they, oh it's like the neural networking or whatever where i saw one of uh before I post this, I'll I'll put up the link, but it's like the Bob Ross put through the neural networks. There's all this weird psychedelic little frogs and dogs and fish showing up in it. It's impossible for me to describe. You'll have to look at it, but you'll actually heard songs that like AI or programs actually wrote the songs themselves. And I even seen saw some weird thing where it's this fake influencer or whatever, you know, like, Um, you know, person that, I don't know what you want to call an influencer, people that get paid to basically like a spokesperson, that's not a actual talent, (laughs) but there there was one that's completely computer generated and all the things that this character picks out or whatever, the outfits and everything are computer generated and has like a million followers or something on Twitter. So there's all kinds of this weird stuff with these rise of the machines and skirples over at Coins and Scrolls, Coins and kind of set off a whole chain reaction of a bunch of bloggers with this GPT GPT-2 plot generator. Says so you might have heard of this GPT-2 language model. It's one of these fancy new programs that generates reasonable-sounding paragraphs. And uh someone Adam King has created a talk to Transformer, a fun little site where you can enter a prompt and let it fill it fill in a paragraph or two so this computer program this AI sort of deal will based on a prompt write all this stuff for you and so a bunch of bloggers have been playing with this i mainly pointed out so you might want to go play with it too but there were a couple that I put up links for that were they were cool like the jeff Reince, um twenty Questions about your campaign settings, kind of a classic OSR blog post. Um, over at Blood of Procopius, um, blood of procopius.blogspot.com. Fr Dave over there asked uh asked this program, Jeff's 20 questions, so you can see what it answered for that. Uh like who's the richest person in the land? Henry Clay has a net worth of four hundred billion. Um, so it's just this program answering the questions. I like this one. Who is the mightiest wizard in the land? Daphnot, Lord of Storms. It was pretty wild what this program can come up with. And over at Eldritch Fields, I know I mentioned uh, Tomas Kizbali already, but, um, not, he, he did a a, a, a whole adventure, the tomb of the daughter. 99% of the text was written by the neural network. Um, and so, uh, it says it's a weird, surreal dungeon, but surprisingly playable. And you can download this neural network, uh, um, adventure, the tomb of the daughter. So weird stuff there, rise of the machines, you know? So, um, anyway, I put up just a, a photograph of, uh, of Hal from, from 2001. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I'll put up, a uh, an, um, If you want some real nightmare fuel, I'll put up a video of that Neural Network, um, Bob Ross video, and then you can go over and play with this uh, Talk to Transformer deal and see what you come up with. All right, so a few miscellaneous blog posts that don't really fit under any specific heading, but I thought were cool and I wanted to point out um, this week. um, Down in the cathonic depths, this is cathonic hallsblogspotcom This is Nick S.'s blog. Uh, Nick put up a post, rumors, delivery methods, and a request for help. And what I really liked about this is uh, it's a, instead of just presenting, here's some rumor ideas, it goes uh, into some explanation of how they came up with these ideas. They're running 5e. They wanted to incorporate some rumors about this under city labyrinth in their game. It's kind of like a mega dungeon sort of thing. So they're trying to keep it sandboxy and and give rumors to the the players to kind of decide where they want to go and they try several different things. It talks about Nick's intent, how they tried to set it up according to like five E's background system. Then according to like archetypes, they, um, it it kind of, it's really well written. Actually. I found it very readable and, uh, they eventually came up with three types of rumor factoids, secrets, and hooks factoids are setting information that has no effect on play Secrets are gameable information about world elements such as monster weaknesses or the location of a secret passage. And then hooks are rumors that inspire action through the lure of something the party want or an event they might want to be a part of. Then they came up, then they start talking about how players didn't want to spend time on rumors. So they've started incorporating the rumors into the downtime system. And uh, what I liked about this, again, is it shows the evolution of an idea and the thought process. And I don't see a lot of bloggers doing that. It's usually a completed idea. So I thought it was cool to, to see somebody read through different things they tried in their campaign and how they came up with the system and everything. And, um, anyway, uh, great post from Nick S something cool to read. Um, if you're, you know, to see how someone else is using rumors in their game. So I thought that was a, a really good, good read over at cathonic hallsblogspotcom then Justin Stewart over at dragon's going to drag dragons going to drag dot Excellent post here. We've got class. We've got. I'm sorry. We've got no class version 2.5. This is a lamentation of the flame princess hack, which is like a classless character creation and advancement system. And there's a PDF here that's wonderfully illustrated by Jessica Stewart. It's got these awesome kind of, uh, Scribbles and writings in the margin on this, and it gives it a, an awesome DIY feel. And the basic idea here is instead of choosing a class, you choose a path, fighting, proficiency, or casting. And you can switch the paths each level. So you can say, okay, well, I'm going to do fighting for a few levels, and then well, I think I'll do casting for this level. It's got uh, little cross references to page numbers and Lamentations of Flame Princess. And so this is actually really cool, and I guess I don't know, I must not have noticed the the prior versions, so this might be something that continues to get updated, but we've got no class, House Rules for Lamentations of the Flame Princess. Uh, Great stuff from Justin Stewart. If anybody listening is into that game, go check this out. It's a really inventive spin on it. And then finally, I I mentioned, uh, it might have been last week, probably was, the weeks are all flowing though, but over at the RPG Works and Sundry blog, this is gdorn.circuitlocution.com, um, George put up a post, How to Die in D&D, and this is another kind of uh, compilation-style post from George that goes um, through the years, starting in OD&D, all the way through the original supplements, all the different versions of BASIC, first and second AD&D, et cetera, et cetera. Of the different death and dying rules and so again what's cool about this you might already kind of have them in your head but it's really cool to actually read through them and see how they've evolved and see what's changed and it points out rightly so how 5e basically is you know if you, you really see the 4e influence in 5e in certain aspects and the death and the death rules and death saves and all that are are one of them but it's uh, it's a, it's a, a, a nice read through, or if you want to compare, like I said, compare and contrast the different editions and how death and dying worked in them. Um, sometimes you might even see a rule that you'd forgotten. Like sometimes you play a game so long that you forget that there's an option in there. You know what I mean? Where you've, you've read the book and been playing it so many times that you almost don't, you know, you don't read the book anymore. You just reference the same few pages and you almost forget some of the hidden rules that are in there. So I would definitely, um, go and take a look at this and kind of compare and contrast It maybe gives you an idea how you want to, it's something that's commonly house ruled. So maybe you'll get an idea from an, an older or a newer edition that you like better than what you're using now. All right. So <clears throat> I hope I'm doing an all right job today. I had such a long day. y'all. I can't even tell you. So I'm hanging, I'm doing my best. I don't know how coherent I am, but the thing about these is they're so long they're, Re-recording it all. Sometimes I'll go and edit something, but re-recording it all just ain't going to happen. But maybe I'm being too hard on myself. But I'm, I'm doing my best. But for my my last topic today, I wanted to talk about using weird news stories as inspiration because I saw several different links this week that had some gameable, strange aspect. And there was there. I think there's a couple on We now, but there were these great. Um, groups on Google Plus. One was called Suppressed Transmissions, kind of named after the uh, Ken Height series from the Gerps Pyramid Magazine. There's also a few compilations of those, actually. Um, I got the first two volumes off of Amazon, used uh, great stuff if you're into well, if you're into unusual topics, uh, everything from cryptozoology to UFOs and Bigfoot and weird history and everything that suppressed transmissions are, are great reading, but um, I'm really digressing now. But anyway, there's was some, some weird... Uh, oh yeah, the other group was uh, That's Gameable, uh, the other Google Plus group. And so people would put all these links up from news stories and stuff that are actually good inspiration for games. And that's kind of what what these are. But the, so the first one is over at the history blog, the history And is a post about, uh, a, a, a village in Brittany that's sending out an appeal to linguists, cryptographers, students, scholars, and puzzlers of all stripes to de- try to decipher a mysterious inscription carved onto a boulder centuries ago. And, uh, so I put up an image of the boulder that is, uh, right on the coast. And, um, and I just thought that was cool. Like what kind of, you know, you could almost use that as a hook. Like the town puts out, Hey, try to figure this out. But unfortunately when you figure it out, it's some horrible, um, uh, you know, prophecy or, uh, so, you know, what could it be? It could be almost anything. And I thought for any kind of investigative game, that's a great hook. Um, so that was one idea I had one thing I saw and, uh, um, who knows if some if some of y'all out there listening to this are are linguists or anything? Um, you might even want to give it a shot. There's like a reward if you if you do it. Uh, and then um, I put up two links to this because one's from the Wall Street Journal, which they'll give you a few free articles a month, um, so you might be at your limit. So I put one behind it that's talking about this CRISPR technology, but it's basically about this doctor. Uh, from china dr he Zhang kui or ja ku i' not pronouncing it right I'm sure but or Zhang Kai maybe um uh, but th- it's the doctor that that did this gene editing in secret you know created the first gene edited babies and was trying to basically edit out HIV from their genetics make the children resistant to HIV and but it may have enhanced their ability to learn and form memories and so the story itself is fascinating how he faked this test and did it all in secret and it's got all the elements of a weird adventure already there but then the the whole um Pandora's box of 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 gene editing and and everything and obviously there have been some sci-fi movies and stuff like that about this and but it's, it's great fodder for, uh, it's, you know, kind of scary or kind of raises a lot of questions in real life, but it could, it's great fodder for sci-fi or, um, you know, weird games and, um, plot hooks and, uh, some of the stuff it was talking about how it could change, uh, resistance to germs. And if too many children are born with it, you lose track of the different resistances and stuff and the culture and, uh, all these, you know, things that you may not have considered or thought about. So, um, anyway, I I found it very interesting because I'm kind of like a futurist type, like I want to live forever. So I'm all about editing and reprogramming and nanotechnology and whatever you can do to make old froth, live to, you know, live to 200, or whatever, I'm all about it, and stuff has come so far in just such a short time, so I, I, I'm I'm um very liberal when it comes to the, uh, using some of the science, but at the same time, you have to, there are, you know, major ethical concerns, but I'd hate for everything to be completely shut down and outlawed everywhere, and um, you know how well that works, and only the, uh, the, uh, the outlaw scientists will be working on it. so I don't know, <clears throat> it's not something that's <laughs> not something that we're going to get to any major answers about, uh, listening to the Thought Eater podcast or anything. But as far as giving you some ideas for, for games, I thought it was, uh, pretty interesting. <laughs> And then the final thing, an uh, uh, article that I'd, I saw that I thought was interesting, in particular for sci-fi games, Jeff Bezos from Amazon has plans to extract the moon's water. And so it's it's talking a little bit about, you know, there's lots of these uh, multi-billionaires that are um, involved in space exploration and having these thoughts. But what what really grabbed me on, on this one was, let me try to find the... Uh, article here i mean let me try to find what he's talking about the vision he laid out bezos went beyond the moon earth's resources he warned are finite someday they'll be depleted and humankind will be forced to look for other homes space is the only way to go he said but uh instead of popular destinations such as mars um He offered an argument made famous by Goldilocks. Other planets, he said, are too small. They're too far. They don't have enough gravity. Instead, human beings should build habitats in orbit around Earth, perpetually rotating to produce artificial gravity, a concept popularized in the 1970s by American physicist Gerard O'Neill. These manufactured worlds, Brazos said, could each house one million people or more. Some would be cities, others national parks, uh, and... They have perfect, perfect weather all year round. So it's talking about these, you know, habitats orbiting around earth and that earth would end up being zoned for residential and light industrial use and heavy pollution causing stuff would be on some of the off-world habitats. So obviously, you know, we're not going to be around to see, (laughs) see this if it ever happens, but Really cool idea for a sci-fi setting, right? You know, all these different um, orbiting, you know, orbiting um, satellites around the Earth that have different worlds or whatever. I mean, you could that already is suggesting uh, a killer sci-fi campaign setting and and a bunch of ideas to me. So I thought it might for y'all. So what my basic point was with this one was is you know if you look at it, if you pay attention and look truth is often stranger than fiction or or just has so many um odd implications and it's kind of like when i used to skateboard whenever i'd look out the window in a car and i'd look at a curb or look at a handrail or look at some stairs the landscape changed and all i saw was what it would be like to skateboard on it and so the more you you game and the more you're thinking about gaming everything you see you end up putting it through the prism of gaming so it's like huh interesting story yeah oh tough ethical question great for a sci-fi game or yeah no that's fascinating um interesting uh that rock there yeah they're running a contest huh try to figure out what it says you know what if it was a dark prophecy about the world of getting ready you know (laughs) so anyway um so if there's other i don't know you guys can call in about anything you want, but if you had any um, times where a news story led directly into something uh, used for a game or something similar along these lines, and want to call in, I'll put you on the put you on the show. Crawling over the finish line once again. Hump day comes around, no matter what. I sometimes I'm holding on for dear life, but. You know, the whole point of this show really is to celebrate the bloggers. I mean, every week it's awesome stuff like this, week after week after week. I'm just trying to shine a light on it Um, because if you, it's like Ferris Bueller said, life moves pretty fast. You know, if you don't stop sometimes, you might miss it or if you don't, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) I need to recharge my batteries, but. Anyway, leave some comments on these blogs. Tell them, hey, great post. Anything like that, bloggers, it's like fuel for a blogger. It makes them want to do more when they know people are reading it and checking it out. So please do that. Um, thank you again for listening. If you want to call in on the show, you have the Anchor app. You just call in. I'll put you on the show. Uh, you can message me, frothsoft, frothsof at gmail.com or uh, f- fill in the uh, contact form there on the Thought of Your Blog big shout out to my patrons on Patreon. I really appreciate y'all backing me. It gives me a boost patreon.com forward slash thought eater. It's only a dollar a month. If there's anybody listening to this that likes my blog or podcast or zines I'm working on part two coming soon of the psionic platypus, by the way, um, it's only a dollar a month. It's like a little tip jar, so it might help me get some better art and things like that for the zine. So if you like what I'm doing and want to swing a dollar a month my way, back me up. You go to patreon.com forward slash thought eater. Um, trying to think if there's anything else. Right, if there is, I can't think of it, so it can't be that important, right? All right, well, another hump day down. Next uh, will be five minute Friday. Logan, take me home. sickly platypus
0: a psychic grenade zeroing in on your mental trade gonna help you escape from the grind thought eater gonna blow your mind